on 9-11. Our nation made a commitment to never forget. Since then, it's been the Tunnel to Towers Foundation honoring those words with action. So many people gave their lives while saving others on 9-11. Tunnel to Towers carries forward that legacy of courage and heroism by honoring our country's military and first responder heroes, people who are willing to die for you and me. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Kendrick, I know this is supposed to be the Marvel portion of the Me, You, the Housewives, and Marvel 2 podcast, but to be honest, I didn't watch the Marvel stuff this week. I've only seen the first episode of Falcon and a Winter Soldier, and I don't know what is going on. But what I do know is that you are so great, so awesome. You've put out one of my favorite shows, one of the best shows. And I'm not sure if anyone is saying that to you directly. So I'm saying that to you. So that's my note. My note for you, no notes. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm giving you your flowers, Kendrick. Take them. Thank you. Oh, and by the way, this is Samaj from New York, currently stationed in Maryland. But, you know, we'll talk about that on my podcast, which is Me, I Am Cancelled. Why am I plugging myself? I came here to give you your flowers. Thanks. Bye. Hey guys, this is the self-proclaimed season ticket holder of pop culture and your mama's favorite black geek. I'm Kendrick, host of the Me and You, the Housewives and Marvel 2 podcast, a podcast that, through my own random and winding rants, discusses everything related to pop culture. Everything from reality TV, to the MCU, to the DCEU, to all of the hot topics being discussed on CNN, NBC, BET, ABC, and 123. Grab your wine glass, sit back, and get ready to cuss and fuss right along with me. Woo! Why, hello, all you beautiful people out there. Boy, oh boy, what a finale this was. Now, look, we can argue about whether the series was too short, whether the story was rushed, or was it uh, perfectly timed. You know, we can argue about a lot of stuff. But this was a great outing to make us fall in love with two characters who had to play the B-man, the sidekicks, of one Chris Evans, one Steve Rogers, one Captain America. 
it really made us fall in love with these two guys all over again. People are wishing for uh, the greatest bromance in history. Some are wishing for a little LGBTQ love, LT, LGBTQIA, ABC, one, two, three, all that kind of love. I'm, I'm with it. You know, I want everything Marvel will give us. Whew, this is a great finale. You know, I love anything where we get some comic book accurate costumes and we definitely got a couple of those in this episode. Now y'all, I'm going to tell y'all later, y'all have some thoughts about these costumes. We'll get into that though. <laughs> but you know, if you've been listening, you know, watching MCU for a long time, you, you kind of feel like this is our reward, especially if you're a comic book fan, had they tried to do this a long time ago, it probably would have came off like really hokey, really kind of, you know, it would have felt weird. But I think now we like love this kind of stuff. I remember watching like the Netflix shows and they really kind of died. They dove into the costumes like you saw them all the time. And I love that. But we don't really see that in the MCU as much. Like Captain America always had a costume, but I mean... You know, it's not commonplace. We finally got Wanda as a Scarlet Witch. I've been waiting to see what that costume is going to look like. It's amazing. We finally got all these different costumes in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's amazing. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm here for it. Before we jump into the episode, though, let's talk about what this series is going to look like going forward. So this is the last Marvel TV series for, we don't have anything in May, anything for the rest of April. I think we'll probably get a behind the scenes look at, you know, stuff uh, next Friday, I, I think I'm going to cover some other stuff, I got some great ideas for some episodes, I was going to take some time off, instead of putting two episodes out a week, but I, I don't, it doesn't feel like work, I just love doing it so much, so I got some other topics that I want to talk about, all within the same realm, you know, I'm still going to give you your uh, reality TV episode every week, but these Saturdays, I usually kind of spend on a different you know, something in TV or film, usually something superhero-y. But I want to give y'all, you know, I got a lot of creative stuff coming, so we'll we'll jump into it. You know, I might want to talk about the new Mortal Kombat movie. I still haven't watched it, but I'm definitely going to watch it the weekend it comes out. Uh, I've been kind of wanting to talk to you guys about Invincible. I've been obsessed with Invincible on Amazon. I want to talk about that. Maybe we'll catch up on The Boys before they come back with a new season. You know, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. But you know what? This isn't about them. We got a great finale from The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Let's go ahead and jump into it and let's see how everything wrapped itself up in a pretty little bow for us to go forward in the MCU. We open on Carly and the other Flag Smashers, and Carly is telling them that it's time. It's important to note, though, that right after this, you know, we get that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that black and silverish title screen that we see every single week. It's important this week, though, for the first time, because at the end of the episode, we actually get to see this change. Big smiley face. (laughs) Bucky can be seen walking through the madness that's going on in the streets in NYC. And Sam is actually in his ear, his ear and he's saying that, you know, I'm on the way and that he sent for some help. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a man appears uh, asking Bucky if he's supposed to be there. He turns around and the man grabs his face and kind of takes off this mask and suddenly it's Sharon damn Carter, her fugitive ass. <laughs> She's using like that same facial distortion technology that uh natasha aka black widow used in captain america when a soldier when she was disguised as that global councilwoman that was coming for the meeting with nick fury 
We then see a shadow of Sam fly overhead and Carly actually sees it too. She says he's here. And then the plan begins. The flag smashers on the inside of the building, they let off some kind of like toxic gas and people start scattering. They going everywhere, baby. They trying to get the hell up out of there. Suddenly, a shield comes flying through the window and knocks out one of the flag smashers cold. And then we get the big reveal. After a big superhero landing, we see Sam Wilson, Captain America. Now, you know that name from the comics. You know the costume from the comics. That comic book accurate costume is everything. And I mean everything. Now, look, I'm one of those people. I love seeing the comic book costumes on screen. I love it. I love how seeing like, you know, how they're going to adapt it over. I just love it. Now, I don't know how well it fit them, but I did love seeing it. Now, I'll admit at first. I was like, damn, not the head, <laughs> not the head piece. You know, it, it, it's a lot. But if you follow me on Instagram, then you know I love me a superhero head piece. So I immediately started thinking about how soon I could buy this outfit off of Etsy. See, look, the world is going to open up again one day. I'm going to the first Comic-Con I can. I'm vaccinated. I'm getting all my vaccination shots when I need to follow up with them. I'm going to Comic-Con. Now, see, I might be... Sam Wilson, Captain America. I might be a uh, sister knight from Watchmen, but I might be brother knight. You know, I'm going to change that a little bit. You know, <laughs> I might be uh, a black bucket Barnes. You never know what I'm going to do. So I like a good comic book costume. As the episode kind of went on, I fell in love with it more and more and more, especially after seeing it in action. I loved actually seeing him in flight, you know, moving with this costume on. You know what this kind of reminds me of? It reminded me of the Luke Cage original like comic book costume. Now, I don't know how many comic book fans are listening to this, but like Luke Cage, you know him from the Netflix show, and they made a conscious choice on the show to put him in a hoodie because, you know, at this time, that was when Trayvon Martin had gotten killed for wearing the hoodie in the, uh, the predominantly white neighborhood. So they made a very conscious choice to always have him in a hoodie. And they did in one episode nod to that costume that he wore in the comics, though. It was like this yellow. He he almost looked like a majorette, to be honest. He had like this yellow outfit on and he had a little a little tiara. Tiara is the only way I can describe it. I don't know. <laughs> but that's kind of what it, Sam's costume gave the same level of flashiness that Luke Cage's costume does. But. It looks exactly like the one that Sam Wilson wears in the comics. So I love it. Now, some of y'all have strong opinions about these costumes, and you'll hear some of them throughout the episode. But let me kick things off with one of my favorite listeners who you all are very familiar with, OG Smartass from Instagram. She had a whole lot of thoughts about this damn costume. Hi, OG Smartass here. Don't know how late I am, if I make the cut, if I don't make the cut. But um, no questions, just a comment. Uh, that man's suit did not come from Wakanda. You hear me? Shuri did not design that, okay? Looks like it had a couple of holes in there. I could have taken a pump, something, blow it up. He looked hella deflated. I don't like the colors. I don't like the fit. It doesn't fit. We need to do something about that costume. And then I'll be all right. Okay. Bye-bye. Now, look, 
I, I'm not gonna lie. When I first saw their costume, did look a little wrinkled. I, you know, I thought maybe they could have took the iron to it or something. You know, put it on the ironing board, just iron it a little bit. You know, when you when you don't want to mess up the uh, the front or something, you turn it inside out and iron it. Maybe you should have did that, or maybe steamed it or something. I don't know. Somebody on set could have did that, or maybe I'm just looking wrong. I don't know it. Listen, we're going to lead it up to Marvel, okay? With the, I bet the next time we see him on screen in that costume, he'll have gotten it together, okay? He walks towards the trouble, and a guy asks him, wait, who you is? Well, he don't say it like that, but you know. He said, I'm Captain America. That damn man said, I thought Captain America was on the moon. You know what? Now, obviously, this is a flashback to, I think, episode, was it episode one? When Sam... And Joaquin Torres are sitting out like in the marketplace having dinner. He's fixing up Red Wing. And then, you know, he said, well, I've been hearing these rumors that Captain America is actually on the moon. You know, did you fly him up there? So, you know, just a little, you know, you know, they like to do a lot of world building in these Marvel shows. And, you know, so it's not just him that had that theory. They're basically showing that a lot of people actually do believe this. Uh, Every time that I, (laughs) you know, I'm a big comic book media watcher. So I love comic book movies, comic book shows, everything. I read comics. I it, Every time I hear this, like about them referencing Captain America on the moon, I always think about Luther from Umbrella Academy. I don't know if y'all watched that, but I love me some Umbrella Academy on Netflix. It's a great, you know, graphic novel, great TV show, but that's neither here nor there. I'm, I'm all, I'm giving Netflix pre, free promotion and Marvel Unlimited ain't even gave me a sponsorship yet. So let me move the hell on. Sam realizes that Carly is trying to herd people outside for some reason. So Sam actually gives a directive to keep the people on the inside. All of a sudden, boom! Baytrock the Leaper kicked Sam's ass clean across that damn room. Baytrock talked bad about that damn man's costume. But Sam still tells them, you know, to keep everybody on the inside, especially the folks they recognize as Flag Smashers. Carly, in the meantime, is witnessing all of this, and she's advising the Flag Smashers on which directions to actually go in. Bucky, while walking, gets approached by a random woman. Now, see, what have I told y'all about talking to strangers? And she actually hands him a phone. It's Carly, of course, and they have, like, a, you know, a brief conversation where he's basically trying to talk her off the ledge, so to speak. He's, you know, speaking to her as someone who's been forced to kill for so long, so many damn people over so many years, but she tells that damn man, well, if that's how you feel, maybe you should sit this one out. Ooh, now that's how you gag a bitch right there. <laughs> Child, Bucky was talking uh, to that damn lady on the phone for so long that he let the person that he was assigned to get away. That man has already uh, locked up the hostages up and put a new kind of lock on it so they can't even get out. Bucky didn't miss all of this. Sharon, on the other hand, accidentally runs into her guy and she plants this damn she calls it a mercury vapor bomb on him she fucked that man up it was eating away at his flesh and everything damn sharon sharon you know what you keep your ass in madripoor from now on we don't want your ass over here no more ma'am we don't like violence in america okay (laughs) <laughs> I'm just playing. We love violence. For every baby born in America, a new gun is registered and another gun is illegally obtained on the streets, okay? Hi, my name is Kendrick and I like to make up statistics to prove my points on this podcast because, well, it's mine. Fuck y'all. 
Sharon tells Sam to speed up his fight with Baytrock along, you know, who is currently whooping the blackest part of his ass <laughs> so that he can stop the helicopter that's filled with hostages from taking off. Ultimately, Sam whoops his ass and then he puts that new costume to work. Do you hear me? That helicopter takes off and Sam chases it. He has Red Wing actually go and look and he gives him the directive of, you know, see if anybody on that flight has flight training. On the ground, though, Carly is telling the other Flag Smashers that their worst case scenario in all of this is that the hostages are going to get killed. She <laughs> she said even if they, the Flag Smashers themselves, get killed, the movement will go on because we're so big now. Child, the looks on them damn people's faces. Carly said, one world. Expecting them to say one people. Them people were radio damn silent. They looking like, now, wait a minute. <laughs> Can't we uh, come up with a plan B where we don't die? I mean, I complain about, you know, how fucked up things are. But, bitch, I like pumpkin spice lattes and and, uh, and Christmas time and uh, Thanksgiving and spending time with families and uh, uh, Christmas caroling and shit. I don't, don't want to die. What you talking about? The worst case scenario is we die. I don't want to die. The Flag Smashers take a van and they then realize that Bucky is hot on their trails. He catches them and a big old superhero fight ensues. Carly tells the flag smashers that they needed a diversion and them damn people lit a whole Mack truck on fire. Damn. Like I, I was thinking, you know, somebody could run waving with their hands in the air or something. Now y'all gotta do the most and light half a damn New York city on fire. Right. As the distraction works, you hear a loud, thunderous voice yell out, Morgenthau! Remember, that's Carly's last name for the, for those of y'all that are listening. Like, now, who the hell is that? Look, look, now, why am I in it? You see how I get thrown in stuff? I ain't even did none. She turns around, and child, it's damn John Walker's ass in that damn costume and shield he made out of cereal box tops. That damn shield was so damn flimsy. I know the Wakandans were somewhere laughing they asses off at him. Carly immediately says, I didn't mean to kill your friend. I don't like to kill people who don't matter. And then John says, you don't think Lamar's life mattered? And she said, not to my fight. Now, see, this is where we start to like John Walker a little bit, even though he's such a terrible damn person. He basically is saying like you know trick black lives matter and you know we stand somebody that says black lives matter okay john is a whole damn entitled prick but he also loves black people so hey he's all right with me this is obviously you know some conscious word choices by marvel but it makes you wonder why like are we purposely trying to set up john to be like a likable character because we're going to see a lot more of him in the mcu i would certainly think so keep in mind you don't have to be a good character to be a likable character. Like, keep in mind with Thanos and Zemo being prime examples of that. Horrible criminals, a cosmic threat, but so well executed by the actors that we forgive them for their terribleness. Now, ain't that some shit? John threw their shield and Carly kicked that bitch clean across the street. John was like, well, damn, that... That was anticlimactic. <laughs> Keep in mind, 
the whole time this fight is ensuing, Bucky is rescuing people from that Mack truck. You know, he's trying to uh, pull that whatever the thing that got the Flag Smasher put on there to keep it locked. He's trying to slowly pull it off because it's hard for him to do, but he finally manages to get it off. One of the guys says, thank you for saving us. And you can tell Bucky finally realized that, like, he was actually doing good in the world. Keep in mind, he had said something. Oh, what was it? Oh, when he was on the phone with Carly earlier in the episode, he he made some kind of comment that was like, oh, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I've had the opportunity to save the world twice and I failed both times. Now, y'all know what he was talking about. You know, he's been in a war where he died, basically. They thought he died and he became the Winter Soldier, basically. And then the other time was obviously when Thanos attacked. So he's had two times to save the world and both times he failed, except when he came back. So I guess you can count that as a win, but... In his mind, he failed. So hearing that guy literally tell him, you know, oh, thank you for saving us, it kind of solidifies that he is a good person without actually having, you know, Steve there to constantly remind him of it. He then immediately joins John Walker in fighting Carly and the other Flag Smashers. In the sky, though, Sam communicates with that hostage woman who has flight training. He's got a plan. Never count out a black man with a plan. Oh, that was so off key. I need to go back to. Hold on, let me call the Clark sisters. I need to come in for a new, uh, <coughs> a new vocal lesson. Lord, he tells her to count to five and then grab the steering wheel or, or whatever you call it in an airplane. I don't know. Sam bucks the damn pilot out of the plane, and Miss Pilot later takes over. Back down there on the ground, John is fighting Carly and all over the street. Under them, uh, what are the, I don't know what they call in New York, but like when they're doing construction on the building, they got those tall, like, uh, I don't know, construction pipes everywhere. I don't know what they are. I'm always scared to walk under them. No, hell, I don't know. John and Carly basically are fighting underneath those. I'd be so scared walking underneath that shit anyway. Carly bent that damn plastic ass Coca Cola tin can ass aluminum foil ass shield that john made up that man ended up throwing that raggedy shit on the ground you know what <laughs> john you you would have been better off with a, a a sling and a what is it a slingshot and a, a good rock one of them uh one of them rocks from your grandmama's backyard you know your grandmama always keeps a good garden you get one of them rocks from back there in a slingshot like you damn uh who was it, uh, David and Goliath and shit, you would have been better off with that than the damn tin can ass shield that you showed up with. We see one of the hostage trucks about to actually like fall off the cliff into some water. John, after a moment of kind of actualization, stops everything he's doing and he tries to pull it back. But the flag smashers end up jumping his ass and make him fall in too. They fall in with him. But never fear. The black man with the plan shows up in the nick of time. I need to start making uh, intro music or something for people. I'm with this shit. This is good. He shows up just in the nick of time with his new vibranium blasters and his new white suit. And he pushes that Brinks truck back onto the ground. See, I love this so much because Sam is finally getting his own moment to shine. Not only is he getting his moment to shine, but he's getting it amongst spectators. The older black man yells out, hell yeah, that's the Black Falcon right there. <laughs> Child, he look, he just like my damn granddaddy. He used to give people any damn name. Sir, call that man that name that his mama gave him. Not whatever you think of in the moment. 
Luckily, there was a younger man right next to him who said, nah, that's Captain America. You damn right it is. Down below, Sam throws that shield and lays Carla's ass out. Now, see, look, John, that's what a shield is supposed to do. But then, <laughs> not that uh cheap shit you made, but then the Flag Smashers have their guys all come shooting off smoke, smoke screens from their guns. Sam has that, like, high-tech steel vision stuff that the Wakandans made him. He had him in his old tech, too. He has that so he can see the footprints, and he sees that the Flag Smashers split up everywhere. They so, you know, they decide to split up. Sam goes one way, and John and Buck Buck go another. Before anyone can find Carly, Sharon does. Carly says, I'm disappointed in you. And Sharon says, I was going to say the same thing. Sharon told Carly, you know, that when she first came to Madripoor, she reminded her of her younger self. You know, they're having this whole back and forth. All of this to reveal that Sharon is the damn power broker, which I think we've all known, but kind of hoped wasn't true from the very beginning. Since at least like episode three now, I think we all wanted the power broker to be a bigger reveal, but we all kind of guessed this. We were hoping it wasn't going to be so on the nose, but yet here we are. Carly said Sharon wanted revenge, but Carly just wanted to, you know, change the world. Carly said, you just wanted your missiles back, referring to the uh, the super soldiers. She said, but what's her power broker without her army of super soldiers? And Sharon said, bitch, I'm still more powerful than your ass. Right as she said that, Betrock the Leaper. His ass uh, pops up out of nowhere holding a gun on Carly. But... He's also threatening Sharon, saying he wants four times as much or he'll tell the world that she's the power broker. Sharon's like, uh-uh. She shoots him, and then Carly shoots her. Now, child, ain't that some shit? Sam shows up, and of course, he tries to reason with Carly, but to no avail. On the flip side, we see Bucky and John show up, and they trick one of the Flag Smashers, or a couple of them, actually, into being surrounded by the cops. They got him out in the open. John Walker's ass, he's over there quoting Lincoln, talking about he's a good man. He still owns slaves. Anyway, you know, I would I would have been quoting Beyonce or somebody. Ten times out of nine, I know you're lying. Anyway, we even get some witty banter between John and Bucky, which kind of further suggests to me that we should be liking John as a character now. Back to Sam and Carly, he's literally letting her whoop his ass because he won't fight back. He just, you know, he wants her to stop. He wants her to listen. She has a choice because she knocks the uh, the shield out of his hand. She has two options. Grab the gun or grab the shield. And, of course, Carly, who we keep saying is, you know, uh, fighting a noble cause and stuff. She definitely does not take the noble route. She's not going to go for that shield. Remember that guy told her in, uh, what episode was it? Episode four, maybe? that uh, he always thought she could have been Captain America. She don't grab that shield. She grabs that gun so that she can shoot and kill Sam because, you know, death is always an option for her. He just wants her to stop and listen to him. Nobody cares. She takes that gun. She aims it at him only to be shot down. Pow! By Sharon Carter. Making it seem like, you know, she did it for Sam, but, you know, in all actuality, she didn't want her secret getting out. Carly dies in Sam's arms, but, it, you know, she, she at least apologizes beforehand. Now, see, that's my plan. I'm not apologizing for shit until I'm on my deathbed. I'm going to tell my sister, like, come here. Come closer, please, please. I, 
I ate all your leftover sushi. Please forgive me. Look, don't worry about it. I'm apologize when the hell I want to. No time sooner, okay? Sam flies Carly outside and he puts her on the gurney. Reporters immediately start swarming and we get another amazing scene. A scene that actually, in my opinion, you know, sets Anthony Mackie up as Captain America, BBC edition. <laughs> Let me stop. They're asking him, you know, when did the government make you Captain America? Is it still Falcon? Do we call you Captain Falcon? The government officials who were the hostages walk up to him, including the damn man who told him that he made the right decision to return the shield right before they gave it to John Walker. Yeah, y'all made such a, a good damn decision there. He walks up to him and he thanks him. And he says, you know, they're going to keep going forward with that peacekeeping initiative that they have to relocate all of the uh, the misplaced refugees. Sam is like, well, damn, as always, you know, trying to reason with somebody. He's like, y'all have missed the entire point about what all this was for. The one uh, government official, you know, she's calling them terrorists and all this kind of stuff. He's like, you got to stop calling them that. He said, your peacekeeping troops are forcing people into settlements. What do you think they're calling you? He said, you know, these terms like terrorists and thugs, etc., are used so that people can avoid the question, why? You know, we've been saying this for years. You know, they, they quick to call somebody a thug when they don't look like them. That's the whole thing there. One of the government officials said, do you think it's fair for governments to have to support these settlements? Sam's like, uh, dud are your citizens. Like, what the fuck? What the fuck else would you do? <laughs> they told Sam he doesn't know how complicated things are. And Sam says, you're right, but that's a good thing. Now you all have to relate to these people who have been feeling helpless forever. He basically said that man is about to have the same impact that Thanos had when he snapped his fingers. The man told Sam that he just doesn't understand. And Sam gagged his ass. Sam said, I'm a black man carrying the stars and stripes. Like, bitch, I perfectly understand. Don't try me. Do not try, try your mama. Don't try me. Try Jesus. Don't try me. This is when we get the scene that's twice as deep. Because he breaks down that fourth wall and almost talks directly to the audience. You can look at this, you know, two ways. Once as Sam Wilson talking about the world and once as Anthony Mackie talking about ours. He says, every time I pick up this shield, I know there are millions of people who are going to hate me for it. Even now here, I feel it. The stairs, the judgment, nothing I can do to change that. But here I am. No super soldier serum. No, uh, what do you say? No blonde hair, no blue eyes. The only power I have is that we, I can, you know, I believe we can do better. Listen, come on, black man. That man is speaking directly to us. Take Sam Wilson out of it. Do you know how toxic the online comic book community can be? The only thing they ever say when Anthony Mackie appears, you know, prior to this show is Bucky should have gotten the shield or my favorite. Why are they making everyone black or my other favorite? He ain't no Steve. Even though, you know, Bucky was a whole assassin and, you know, ain't Steve either. They still advocated that Bucky was the only one deserving of a shield, even though it wasn't realistic for a whole assassin to get a shield. But we digress. You know how many niggers and 
coons and spooks and jigaboos I've seen in comic book comment sections in reference to the mere notion of Captain America being a black man. Countless. Anthony Mackie is speaking directly to those mud stains on the bottom of my shoes and saying, I know you don't like me, but guess what? I'm here. Okay. <laughs> Side note. I love that they show Isaiah and Eli basically watching and reacting to this from the living room. It just goes to show you that like Isaiah, who was stone cold dead set against any of this, you know, Sam being the one who wants to wear the stars and stripes now coming around to the notion of it because he sees how good of a man and he, he sees in him what basically what Steve Rogers saw in him. And he saw that he's such a, a good man that maybe he's special enough to actually do this. Sam even asked another question that comes up a lot in real life. He said, who's in the room with you when you're making these types of decisions? The people being impacted or more people like you? You know what I immediately thought of when he said this? I thought of two things. It reminded me of Beyonce when she was making the decision of, you know, which sports apparel company she wanted to partner with for uh, Ivy Park. She met with countless companies, including Reebok and Nike. You know why she chose Adidas? Because there was representation in the room. How are you attempting to sell a black woman's clothing line who has hundreds of millions of fans from all different races and ethnicities and not have anyone in the room that looks like any of them or her in that room? It also reminded me of that Pepsi Kendall Jenner fiasco, the commercial where the protesters are, you know, fighting for their lives. And on the other side, you have the police that are, you know, screaming and yelling at them. And then she comes in and she hands them a Pepsi and, you know, she saves the day. Girl, if you don't go straight to hell. <laughs> now, see, if y'all have some black people in the room with y'all while y'all making them dumbass decisions, somebody would have raised their hand and said, uh, what? Huh? He tells them to do better and ask why Carly was doing what she was doing in the first place. He said, if you don't do better, the next Carly will. And you don't want to see Carly 2.0. I know that's right. People believed in her cause so much so that they helped her defy the strongest governments in the world. And nobody has actually stopped and thought, hmm, now why is this young girl doing this? See, use your power, senators. That I'm talking to the senators on the show and in real life, which are raggedy asses. The speech ends, and he and Bucky go over to Sharon, you know, who has uh, that damn a whole gunshot wound on her. Sam tells her, you know, that he hasn't forgotten his promise, of course, referring to, what, episode three when he told her that he was going to eventually get her pardoned. He says, you know, I haven't forgotten about that. Sam is then approached by another agent, and he says that there's a flag smasher, like, floating in the Hudson River, can you please go get them? Which, of course, you know, we see the remaining flash smasher that we know are getting loaded, you know, in the van and stuff like that after Sam goes and, uh, I guess, rescues this other flag smasher or keeps them or takes them to jail, whatever he does with them. We see them actually getting escorted into or loaded into what looks like a prison escort van by other flag smashers who see we don't know the flag smashers, but we don't know until they're, you know, they're police guards and they lean in and say, you know, uh, one world, one people, whatever the hell they say. They drive off and boom, explosion. 
they all dead. <laughs> we then cut to Zemo's butler, who we met in episode three as well, sitting in a nearby car, looking like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, like, yes, yes, it all went off without a hitch. Then we see Zemo listening to the radio on the raft in his cell, smiling as the news about them being bombed is uh, being told everywhere. He merely smiles and lays back. We won. <laughs> I know that's right, Zemo. See, I know we definitely haven't seen the last of Zemo. Now, when we'll see him again, I don't know. We definitely haven't seen the last of Zemo. This is when we cut to somewhere else. I don't know where Val, a.k.a. Uh, what is it, Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, a.k.a. Julia Louise Dreyfus, and uh, Walker's girlfriend or fiance, wife, whatever she is, and they're sitting waiting, you know, they're seeing the news. They're waiting on John, who's apparently trying something on in the restroom. When he comes out, it's the comic book accurate U.S. agent costume. You know, we love a comic book accurate costume. Same John Walker costume, except black. <laughs> yes. She says things are going to get weird, but when they do, we won't need a Captain America. We're going to need a U.S. agent. John is so happy, so happy to be needed again. He's up there jumping up and down, talking about, I'm back, I'm back, I'm blick, blickety back, I'm black, and I'm back. He didn't well, he even say all that, but y'all know what I mean. He's just happy to finally have a job again with his uh fired on his day off ass, just like Craig and Friday. Cut to Bucky back in his apartment building, going to talk to Yuri. And of course, it's time for him to finally confess, just like Sam told him to do in the last episode. He tells him that his son was murdered by the Winter Soldier and that the Winter Soldier was him. We then, you know, we cut from that. You know, obviously Yuri's upset. We cut from that scene and we get, uh, they're in Amy Aquino. I don't know her name on the show, but I just know she's Amy Aquino in real life. We cut to her character, the therapist. We're in her office and he's left a package for her as well. It's Steve's book with a note that says, I finished the book. Thanks for all your help, Doc. See, Bucky had to, you know, let go of that attachment of what Steve thought of him. And he had to like, he had to finally let that go so he could finally get some, his own kind of closure and finally figure out what he wanted to do and be in life and actually kind of make his own decisions. Because everything up until now has really been, you know, well, Steve this, Steve that, Steve this, Steve that. He's finally able to now... Actually, thanks to the help of Buck, uh, of Sam, not his damn therapist, is actually able now to make amends and actually move forward without all the baggage that is the Winter Soldier. Then we see Sam in Baltimore going to see, going to see Isaiah. Eli, of course, opens the door, and I literally laughed out loud. <laughs> like when, <laughs> when he says, man, what you want, Black Falcon? You know, in his annoyed voice like he always has. Sam told that boy, you need to learn some manners. See, we get another great conversation and a moment between Sam and Isaiah. Isaiah tells him, you know, maybe you are special. But he says, uh, make sure, you know, <laughs> he made sure to let him know. Now, look, you special, but you ain't no Malcolm X or, or Martin or Mandela, none of them. But you special. He basically, you know, hit him with that old person's favorite line: "Don't get too big for your britches." Maybe that's just maybe that's a southern thing. I don't know, but y'all know what I mean. Don't get too big for your pants. To where you can, you know what I'm hell I'm talking about. Sam, after some more conversation, says, "We built this country. We bled for it. 
I ain't going to let anybody tell me I can't fight for it. It would be disrespectful to the people who came before me. Now, let me let y'all in on a little secret. As black people, there has been a conversation that we've had at our kitchen tables for decades. I mean, decades. And it's why would a black person join the military to fight for a country that hates them? And, you know, black people have always had differing opinions on this very subject. Sam Wilson, in my opinion, addressing that is a very similar conversation to that statement. Of course, you know, in terms of the show, it's a black man being Captain America. But, you know, in terms of like real life, it's why would a black person want to represent America when America hates you so much? It's that kind of, you know, little dichotomy, little contrasting ideals. Child. Even Isaiah almost cried. <laughs> Let me, uh, I'm actually going to throw it over to JV who discusses his thoughts on the entire finale. And he talks about how Marvel has actually handled these kind of conversations without pandering because we know we, they've done a little bit of pandering in the past. You know, they're, they're the fan service, you know, universe. So he actually, you know, me and him agree on that day. I think they did a very good job without really pandering to the audience. So let me throw it over to JV. Hey, it's JV from Chicago, and I just watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or should I say, <clears throat> Black Captain America and the Winter Soldier. This episode was honestly the best of the season. They they really did something great with this show. Honestly, in my opinion, I think it was a little better than WandaVision. That's just my opinion. Maybe it's just the Black in me. I don't know. Um, I loved his speech at the end. You know... You have said something powerful when you get an honorary old black man to come around to a new idea or or uh, be moved to tears. It it was really it was really lovely. However, I did not care for that suit. It was a little bulky. It was a little heavy on the white. I don't know any black person that wants that much white. Like, eh, I would have been a little heavy on the red, but that's just me. And I think Marvel has done a pretty good job in this show with showing minorities and stories that have been forgotten and would have been forgotten like Isaiah Bradley, because they didn't have to put him in there, but it was good that they did because you can't have a black captain America in this climate, in this world's climate and in the MCU's climate without highlighting or giving acknowledgement to the first black captain America. I think they did it without pandering Unlike the all-female lineup from Endgame, which made no sense. Half of them heifers could not even fight. They ain't got no powers. And they just all of a sudden lined up just for like this power shot of female empowerment, which was nothing but pandering from Marvel's point. And it made no sense. It was kind of like, here you go, women. Yeah, be happy. Y'all still ain't getting paid enough, but you know. Here's a shot for the ladies. It's like, what? Sam tells them to clean up so he can take them somewhere. Eli, you know, of course, is being funny and likable as always and says, well, where are we going? He didn't even know that boy was back there. <laughs> he finally takes them to the museum. And finally, finally, Isaiah Bradley has a statue and a whole tribute there. Now they can't forget or act like they don't know what that man did for this country. That's right, Sam. You better use that power for good. 
we end the episode down in NOLA with a happy, you know, best friend and family montage. Bucky shows up with one of them delicious Kroger cakes. Listen, don't sleep on a store-bought Kroger cake, okay? I have a cousin that, no lie, will only eat cakes if they came from Kroger. But she, she says that they taste much softer and much better. Just don't be none of that, uh, what is it, that whipped icing? Ugh, don't nobody like that shit. Butter icing only, okay? No whipped icing. They show Sam and Bucky, and they go over, and they staring off into the sunset. <laughs> and Chad, I thought them people was about to kiss. I didn't know what was going on. Sam, Sam and Bucky sitting in a tree. F you. No, I'm just playing. Let me see. <laughs> but then we get an amazing, you know, beautiful, iconic, legendary, sensational title card that reads, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Yes, I know that's right. This actually sets up our question that we have from Ray from the Marvel Stuff Podcast. If you guys haven't checked them out yet, they're great too. Here's Ray, and she's got a a great question about this very title card. Hey, this is Ray from the Marvel Stuff Podcast, and I was wondering if you had any theories as to why Sam took on the new name Captain America but Bucky has not taken on the new name White Wolf. Thanks. Love the podcast. My guess would be this show was really more so about the world accepting Sam and Sam accepting himself as Captain America. I think Bucky was going through his own personal journey, but it was more so like not about the hero he was, but more so about him realizing he can make his own decisions about his own life and how what he needs to do to actually move forward without these nightmares and everything else that's been attached to him from the Winter Soldier. I think that in the future, you know what? I'm, maybe it's because he's not exactly welcomed back in Wakanda just yet. I don't know. He's I mean, He's not an enemy of Wakanda, but I think maybe this show felt like it could have a season two. So maybe in season two, we'll actually, you know, see the transition of Bucky going from the Winter Soldier to some kind of new moniker that they can give him. Maybe he'll adopt that and he'll get him a little costume too. Maybe he'll get a white uh, arm with the gold in it instead of a black one. I don't know. That's a good question though. I just feel like this show felt like it was more so of Sam's journey and then supplemented by Bucky trying to battle his own demons. And so maybe it being called the cap, you know, Captain America and the Winter Soldier just felt a little bit more, a little bit more targeted and poignant to where they were actually trying to accomplish with this show. I don't know. That's what it kind of felt like to me. I could be way off. It might not have anything to do with that. Who knows? The post credit scene is Sharon getting pardoned getting a job in her old division, then making a phone call to someone saying that, you know, she's about to have access to unlimited supplies and secrets. So start lining up buyers. This felt like a post credit scene for season two. Now, why do I say that? Because I thought there would be more than one damn post credit scene. Now, had there been another one, I might've been like, okay, we going into some other stuff, but that felt like that was specific to the show. Now, keep in mind, 
I made a whole ass Instagram video with my thoughts and predictions about what these post credit scenes will be. And bitch, not now one of them came right. You know what? <laughs> Marvel, you set me up for the damn kill every damn time. I really thought I was on to something. I thought y'all was going to take one of them ideas, especially that one about Eli and Isaiah. That was a great idea. But you know what? You know what? I'm going I'm to sell y'all some ideas. I'm going to stop giving shit away for free. I know that much. Let me throw it over to my girl, one of my favorite podcasters, Stephanie from the Mocha Minutes podcast. She's been watching along with the Marvel shows, and she has some thoughts about the series overall. Hey, everybody. This is Stephanie again from the Mocha Minutes podcast. Shout out to my to my buddy Kendrick for letting me hop on in on this episode as we talk about the finale of Falcon and Winter Soldier, a.k.a. Bird Soldier. That is what I've been calling it. Or a.k.a. Black Falcon. I enjoyed calling him Black Falcon so much, but that's not why we're here. Um, <laughs> I want to say I, I had complicated thoughts about this series because I had complicated thoughts about WandaVision how it was going to go and I was pleasantly surprised with WandaVision so I was pleasant pleasantly surprised with this um I think the best part for me for this um finale was the Isaiah Bradley storyline and also also him getting his recognition because of what he's done um I think that scene really melted my heart I think Isaiah's um, harshness and his wall that he put up is it's a defense mechanism because child they did him dirty and to see him get that recognition to see him just melt and it touch him in a way um, it was beautiful that um, the hugging between black men were be it was beautiful I just I loved seeing it I am interested interested to see what the MCU looks like after this. I'm not exactly sure. I think this is the last series we're getting and then we're going moving back into movies because I think Doctor Strange is coming up. But I also think, um, I think uh, the movie with Homegirl, I can't think of her name. I'm sorry, y'all. I can't. Um, Black Widow. Sorry, it took me a minute. Um, I think that is coming up, so I don't know what the MCU is going to look like now because this was supposed, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to come out before WandaVision, but because of COVID, it switched it up. So I'm very impressed with this six episodes. I think it ended well. I kind of like the way it ended. Um, yeah. Um, I'm, I was very impressed. Now, look, as much is I love this show because I really enjoyed all six of these episodes. I loved all the twists and turns we got. I loved liking Zemo as a character. I loved going on a journey with John Walker. I loved the relationship that built between Sam and Bucky. I loved seeing Anthony Mackie coming to his own as a, a standout superhero. I loved those comic book accurate costumes. I loved seeing the Dora Milaje on this show and I want any any instance of the Dora Milaje that we can get in the MCU, I want it. I love so much about this show, but just because I love so much about it does not mean that it was without gripes. Now, the main question I've been asked since the finale is, 
which do I think was better so far? Because, you know, they've had, they've now had two very successful outings as TV shows on Disney plus, which do I like better? Let me tell y'all WandaVision is in my top five, like MCU projects right now. Like I, it, it was historic to me. I loved every minute of WandaVision. I got it. I understood the journey. It was so complex to me. I love Falcon and the Winter Soldier too, but I'm not sure that I, it would knock WandaVision out of my top five. Not to say that I enjoyed it a lot less or anything, but I really enjoyed both of these. Plus, I related to this show on a different level. I'm sure most black people did. So, I don't know. I I love them both, though. But just because I loved it doesn't mean even WandaVision. I had gripes with WandaVision as amazing as it was. So before I get into a few of my little, you know, my little qualms that I had with the show, let me throw it over to Danielle from the Brands by Bravo Instagram account. She actually, she's been starting her Marvel journey. She's been watching along too. And she had an interesting point about what she thought was missing from the show. Let me throw it over to her. So it is Danielle from Brands by Bravo. Here is what I think of Winter Soldier Falcon. And I'm calling from Phil, Phil, Philadelphia. So overall, I like it. I don't love it. And the biggest thing I noticed that's missing is I can't even believe I'm saying this. There's no love. I need love. There's love between Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I need a lady love or a boy love. We can have an LGBTQ story. That's fine. But it's kind of missing the drive behind it that's in so many Marvel things. I'm looking forward to the finale. I'm going to watch it all. But I hope in Loki, there's maybe some love for these characters that never have had a love interest. Or Bucky gets with Falcon's sister. I did like that buildup. Also, I'm deeply in love with Bucky. So that definitely has kept me going through watching because Sebastian Stan is just, ooh, so cute. I thought about that a lot when she sent in that note. And I was wondering, I'm like, I wonder what the thought process behind it was. I wonder if they thought that because they were already dealing with race and dealing with uh, maybe Bucky and some, you know, some veteran issues, as I call them. Maybe they thought that introducing another element of trying to find romance or struggling through a romance, maybe it was too much. Maybe there were already too many shoestrings to tug it. I don't know. It seemed like there was a lot to really already going on. Maybe they didn't want to introduce another element, but I can agree with that though. I think maybe, maybe that's another element to the characters that we could have gotten that would have really, because you know, this is our outing where we were really meeting Bucky and Sam on a whole different level. You know, this is them starring in the show instead of being the sidekicks. So maybe a love could have, you know, further developed the way we saw these characters. I can definitely agree with that. I had a couple of gripes. I actually won't spend too much time on them because I don't want y'all to think that I, you know, didn't enjoy this ride. I loved every minute of this ride. I look forward to Fridays because I want to see what was going to happen. I love the length of the episodes and everything. But speaking of length, one of my biggest gripes with the finale was it could have been longer. Like, you've given us almost an hour-long episode every time, and this one was, like, what, 43 minutes without the the credits and stuff? I don't know. It, it felt like it could have been longer. It felt like, I think around, like, an hour 15 would have been perfect, but, you know, y'all didn't ask me, so. But I felt like, you know, it it made it feel a tad rushed. 
not rushed a lot, but you know, they still going into this finale. They did have a lot of loose ends to kind of tie up. They did it. Well, I thought, you know, they put a pretty little bow on it. You know, some people say that bow is crooked as hell, but I think that the bow is actually, you know, wrapped quite nicely. You know, it's Macy's at Christmas time, you know, wrap this present, please. You know, I, I thought it was wrapped up pretty nicely. So I won't spend too much time on that. If I could have gotten an extra, you know, 15, 20 minutes out of them, that probably would have made this an even better experience, but I mean, it's too late now, so I won't, I won't harp on that. Uh, one of my other things is I was shocked, like genuinely shocked that there was only one post credit scene. Like what the fuck? Like we went, okay. WandaVision, I know it was more episodes, so let me stop trying to compare the two, but WandaVision, we got a total of four, I think post credit scenes, between the last three episodes, we got the one where Ralph Boner kidnapped Monica Rambo. We got the one where we saw White Vision being made. And then we got two in the finale. You know, one where Monica Rambo finds out that, uh, uh, she was his name, Samuel <laughs> Jackson, Nick Fury is up there and wants to talk to her. And then we got the one where Wanda was having the, the astral plane moment. I don't know. It, one felt odd. It was a good one. I mean, it set up Sharon as a villain. You know, now Sharon is, you know, we've actually met Sharon as a character. So now we get a little more uh, complexity out of that. So I'm all for that. Uh, I don't know. It, I, I was really hoping for one. You know, I was hoping for one that would, I feel like I always go in wanting something else to be set up. Like I need my mouth to salivate once I leave these MCU projects. And I don't know if it did that. Like, it felt like that was setting up a season two as opposed to a next project. You know, I don't know. Maybe I was thinking maybe something would connect the Loki or Black Widow or Eternal, Shang-Chi, something. I don't know. We, we It was a lot of different ways this could have went. You could have met, uh, let Joaquin Torres and uh, Eli Bradley meet for the first time. I thought that would have been great. You could have had... Eli getting a blood transfusion and becoming Patriot. You could have had a lot of things. I went over the one. I won't go over them again, but I went over about five different scenarios that I thought would have been fantastic, but we didn't get them. So I don't really know what else to say. Um, my journey with Sam suit. I talked about that. I loved, <laughs> I did. I went on a whole journey with that suit, but I won't, I won't keep talking about that. Uh, we, there's been a little bit of argument about, whether or not Carly was a compelling villain. And I think she absolutely was. I don't even know if we can call her a villain necessarily because she really kind of towed the line between anti-hero, antagonist, and villain. I feel like she was a little bit of everything. But she had a really noble cause. She was just going about it super wrongly. So I don't know. But I felt like with all the themes that this show had, I felt like setting it up, for a battle between them and the Flag Smashers made a lot more sense than them setting up a battle between John Walker and, you know, Sam and Bucky. That didn't necessarily make a lot of sense to me, but I felt, I, so I was okay with that. I know, that, I just wanted to address that because I know that's been a little scuttlebutt, but I I liked the character. I liked Carly. I thought it was good that they, uh, you know, retconned the character and made her female instead of male because I, 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 I connected with it. I liked it. I felt like, you know, a lot of disenfranchised communities probably related to that storyline a lot more than we think they did. So, um, I was here for it. My only other 
qualm. You know, I like to use words to make me sound smart. My only other qualm was that Sharon being revealed as the power broker, it just, I don't know. It, this is now the second time in a Marvel show. It feels like, I don't know, the kids need to guess along while watching. Like, we knew the entire time that Agnes on WandaVision was Agatha. If you're a comic book fan, that is. You know, if you don't, if you weren't listening to my podcast week to week or you don't, you know, read comic books like that, then you might not have known that that was going to be a big reveal. I knew that. So when they revealed it, I was like, okay, great. Love the song. (laughs) But, you know, I knew that was going to happen. So her being the big villain, it kind of felt, meh. But, you know, whatever. But it felt like now we're getting a repeat of that. Like, we all kind of predicted pretty early on that Sharon was going to be the power broker. And it actually happening was... I don't know. It was it was a little disappointing. So with all that being said, the show could have been a little bit better, but overall, I I loved it. It's going to be a great binge for me in the, uh, in the future, just the way I binge WandaVision quite often. <laughs> so... I don't know. I'm I'm not going to leave you on a bad note. I'm going to leave y'all and say, if you haven't watched all the episodes, go watch them. You're going to love it. We get a black Captain America out of all of this. We get uh, Bucky still continuing his journey. We get what feels like a setup for a season two. We get a whole lot out of this. So, y'all, I'll be back with you same time next week. I'm going to talk about a couple of different things. I'll let you know on Instagram. I got some good stuff lined up for you. And you know what? I'm taking my ass to bed. See ya. As always, thanks for listening. Want to support me for free? Just head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Podchaser or CastBox and leave me a five-star rating and review. Need to contact me? Just email me housewivesmarvelpodcast at gmail.com also don't forget to follow me on instagram for hilarious memes and all kinds of updates regarding the podcast that's at housewivesmarvelpodcast this is kendrick and i'll see ya Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years' experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.